You're listening to Mischief Media. Hey there, Nonplus listeners. Whether you're looking to spice up your beverage options this holiday season or seeking the perfect gift for that hard to shop for beer snob in your life, look no further than Tavor. It's the app-based craft beer delivery service that eliminates the aimless meandering down the beer aisle to find something special for your socially distanced, vaxxed, and relaxed cookie decorating party. Oof. Just download the app and get access to -to hard-to-find 100% craft beer from all across the U.S., load your crate, and have your hand-picked beer delivered right to your door for a flat fee, or ship it for free with a subscription. And with picks like Hold the Spoon, Black Chocolate Cake Imperial Stout from The Brewery in San Diego, or the Chunk Fruited Sour from Drecker in Fargo, North Dakota, you can be sure you'll find plenty to suit the taste of the choosiest lager hogger in your life. Chonk Fruited Sour, Shantae, you stay. Just looking for one gift? They have gift boxes too. Send the highest rated craft beer gift right to your beer lover's doorstep without even putting on your pants. Download Tavor today and try it for yourself. Just use the code nonplussed at checkout for $10 off your first order of $25 or more. Just search T-A-V-O-U-R in your app store. Use code nonplussed at checkout. Get $10 off your nifty gifty. I'll drink to that. And one for fa la 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 Mahler. Beep beep ba da pa. All right. Bwah. Bwah. Bwah boo. Booby dooby. Who's this? All right, you ready? Yep. Uh, we, I, uh, hmm, okay. Uh, <laughs> how do I get into this? Um, uh, <laughs> Another episode of Non Plus to Gay Rom through the Disney Plus Vault. That over there is my husband Clancy. Oh, over there in a new place is my husband Josh. And we are Non Plus, a mischief media podcast. Yes, we're in our new studio, which is my home office. Yep, we we've uh we're we're trying to get comfortable in this new space. But I like it so far. Same. I mean, I don't know what else. I'm just happy to be moved. Same. This is it. <laughs> Having a house without like being in an apartment, we no longer have stairs. Yeah, we to are go in a up. single family home. We have a garage. It's delightful. Oh my god, yes. Um, some quick housekeeping, of course, for all of your holiday gift giving needs outside of you know Tavor in the ad. Um, head over to Mischief Merch to get some presents. Oh my god, they have scrunchies. Scrunchies. It's like the top thing on the page right now. Um, that we've also got on mischiefmerch.com. These holiday gift guides that are just delightful and easy yeah. peasy click through um, for your Potter fan, your MCU super fan, your Broadway fan, your true crime enthusiast. Everything's bundled and looking good for you on mischiefmerch.com. If you get any of that MCU stuff or any of the nonplus stuff, use code nonplus10. It'll get you 10% off any nonplus or Marvel themed uh, merchandise yes. on the store. So head over to mischiefmerch.com uh, and fill some stockings. There's some good stuff there. But it, yeah. yes, absolutely. Scrunchies. Uh, what kind of news do we got going on, Josh? Well, I mean, of course, we have the Disney Plus Day and there's just there's too much. Yes. Like we we could the, uh, even even if we covered it the way that we cover regular news, there's too much. We You can go on the platform on Disney Plus and watch like the Marvel 
it's like 14 minutes, sort of a, a retrospective of everything. Yeah, it effectively kind of starts at WandaVision and then moves up through Hawkeye, all of the new things that are coming Little out. sneak peeks of Hawkeye, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Ms. Yeah. Marvel. Yeah. And then the lineup of all the shows that are, quote, coming soon. So definitely go watch that. We, we like It's exciting. It's titillating. It, it really is. And it's a, it's a good one to watch. They also have one for Pixar as well. What is it? Pete Docter just walking around. Just walking around talking to folks <laughs> at the Pixar campus. It's yeah, super cute. Much. We also got like the Spider-Man No Way Home full trailer. Yep. That's very exciting and worth talking about. Like there's speculation that some of the Spider-Mans have been sort of soft content aware filled content aware filled out <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh honestly it's it's one of those things where it's like it's re- i'm really excited about it i'm you know i don't want to get too hyped but then the other part of me is like yeah this is gonna be less rad. than a month away it's, gonna it's worth so, getting hyped it's, about it's gonna be so rad there's a lot of stuff that we have to cover and we just don't have the time to do it today so look forward to those episodes that we'll be doing after we wrap up our year we want to talk about these things and we want to talk about them on the air but yes. we want to we want to give them the time that we want to take exactly and that's not at the front of an episode of oh, this episode of all episodes <laughs> <laughs> so um look forward to that um, we, uh, as, as we see things, you know, as we watch Hawkeye, when we watch Spider-Man, we'll of course give you our opinion here, but we'll be doing yeah. those shows, um, at the start of, well, in between season two and season three. Yeah. Um, our research as normal comes from, uh, Wikipedia, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. I think also box office mojo. Yeah. We got some box office mojo in there too. All righty. You ready to get into this? Yes. This week, for some reason, I agreed to watch the fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, November 13th, 2009. We accidentally, we realized halfway through watching this, picked a Thanksgiving movie and didn't even realize it. Yeah, no, it was uh, pretty good. I, I checked as we got to that scene near the end uh, where they're having the big dinner. I was like, wait a minute, is this a Thanksgiving movie? And yep, November 13th, 2009. This would have been billed as a Thanksgiving movie. It's a Wes Anderson joint, of course. Uh, he co-wrote it with Noah Baumbach. Uh, he directed it, of course. We all know who Wes Anderson is, but go ahead, Clancy. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's done such movies as like the Royal Tenenbaums, uh, Isle of Dogs, which is the same sort of style as this, uh, and the French Dispatch, which just came out. Yes. Which I actually am not disinterested in seeing. He's also, he was born in Houston, Texas. So he's right from where you are. And it's ridiculous. He was born in Houston, Texas. He graduated from UT and yet he insists that people pronounce it opossum. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? The word's possum. You drop the O. Yeah. Pretentious little shit. But yeah, it's, uh, he's, um, I, Josh I, has good. Josh has big feelings about. Look, Wes I Anderson. just, I'm. Oh, I, he's clearly a master of his craft. He does this thing very well, and he tells these sorts of stories very well, and mm-hmm. people like them. Yeah, I am not one of those people. Um, I, you, he's, he's been awarded and accoladed, and he makes all kinds of crazy money. Yeah, whatever. I'm just done airing out the same beleaguered upper middle class white boy on we in every fucking story he tells. So I take it you didn't like this. I didn't dislike it. It's just not for me. You yeah. know, I am not the audience of, of all of the films I've not been the audience for. This is probably the closest I could get because like there are some, I, I mean, I went and saw Royal Tannenbaums in theaters, but I, this was Royal Tannenbaums in stop motion with fur. Yeah. Uh, As told through a world doll lens. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so I've seen this movie before without having seen this movie before is my point. I want something transformative out of it, but all I got was Wes Anderson. Hmm. 
anyway, we'll get into it. Sure. We, uh, it's, we will. As I alluded to, it's based on Fantastic Mr. Fox by Roald Dahl, which I have not read. Might be the other thing. Yeah. If I had something to compare it to, maybe I would see, oh, okay, this is great getting this in Wes Anderson's flavor. But at this point, I'd be more interested in seeing Wes Anderson do Shakespeare than I am Roald Dahl because I'd be interested in that take. Yeah. This is the same fucking thing. It's his whatever daddy issues and psychosexual relationship with a quirky, intelligent, artistic mother. Uh, sure. But like you are, you are really like I, laying I, I it hope, on there. I'm as not like, laying anything on that. I haven't said to you before. There's nothing. I am not being performative about my feelings about Wes Anderson right now, but I'm watching your face fall. And I think you're realizing that maybe it wasn't always a joke. <laughs> And then I really don't care for Wes Anderson. No, it's is this going to affect our relationship? I knew it wasn't. A, no, it, and I knew this wasn't a joke to you. But like at the same time, uh, this this is a a yes. It is Wes Anderson style as much as the framing and and mm. camera methodology that he uses within it. But we'll get into that. I've got I've got some notes. Well, it's it's also a very specific visual language. Everything's very anachronistic yet dated, and you know. There's certain color palettes and textures and mm -hmm. all sorts of things that are all very Wes Anderson. Again, he's good at what he does. Yeah. I just, I'm over it personally. Okay. Let's talk about the cast then. We've got George Clooney as Foxy Fox and Meryl mm -hmm. Streep as Felicity Fox. Look, this is a Hollywood thing as much as it's anything else in a Wes Anderson thing. Yes, he loves a uh, powerful older woman, but you'd never see George Clooney married to Meryl Streep in a live action thing. Sure. Because Hollywood's a bunch of dicks. Yeah. But anyway. Sure. Uh, Jason Schwartzman plays a Ash Fox. Yes. Jason uh, Schwartzman plays the Wes Anderson analog in this film. <laughs> Basically. Uh, Bill Murray is uh, Clive Badger. Uh, just just a note. Bill Murray has appeared in every Wes Anderson film since Rushmore. Yes. So the only one that he wasn't in was Bottle Rocket. Yes. Yeah. Uh, William Defoe is Rat. Willem Defoe. Willem Defoe is yes. Rat. Michael Gambon as Franklin Frank Bean. Owen Wilson as Coach Skip. Wallace Waladarski as Kylie. Eric Anderson as Christofferson Silverfox. Yep. Uh, Jarvis Cocker as Petey. Wes Anderson as Stan Weasel. Mm -hmm. uh, Robin Hurlstone as Walter Walt Boggus. Hugo Guinness as Nathan Nate Bunce. Helen McCrory is Mrs. Bean. Rip Ellen McCrory. She just recently passed away. Yeah. She was um, Mrs. Malfoy in oh, yeah. uh, the Harry Potter films. And also an amazing British actress. She'd been plenty of her own. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's a hard or a soft J, but it's I think it's Yuman. Yuman Malouf as Agnes. She's also Wes Anderson's partner. Mm -hmm. And I think she's a voice actress and a designer, fashion designer, maybe. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I just thought that was neat. Yeah, it's fun. She's not just Wes Anderson's girlfriend. No, and like... Slash partner, slash yeah. mother of his child, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. She's no, got... She, she does got her talents. own shit. Yeah, yeah, she does her sure. own shit. Karen Duffy is Linda Otter. Roman Coppola as the squirrel contractor. Garth Jennings as Bean's son. <laughs> Brian Cox as Daniel Peabody. Stephen Raleigh as Beaver. Uh, Jeremy Dawson as Beaver's son. James Hamilton as Phil Mole. Jennifer Furches as Dr. Badger. Mario Batali as rabbit. <laughs> that uh, makes sense. Cause he's the cook. Yeah. Isn't that oh, fun? Jeez. I guess it is. Uh, Allison Abate as uh rabbit's ex-girlfriend. Molly Cooper as rabbit girl. Adrian Brody as as mouse. Oh, that's who that was. Yeah. That's cute. Good for him. Uh, Martin Ballard as the fire chief and Ronan Oka Martin as otter. 
Yeah. Outside of some notable standouts like George Clooney and Meryl Streep, this is basically Wes Anderson's players. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, you know, it's, there's a lot, there are a lot of directors that use the same actors and a lot of the things they do and like they sort of write to their strengths or whatever. I'm not being judged. I'm just saying this is Wes, just like it, if it were Helena Bottom Carter, Johnny Depp, and it was a Tim Burton joint, it's obviously his players. It's the same thing. Sure. I'm not shitting on him for it. I think I, I have the the same visceral reaction to Tim Burton movies as you do to Wes Anderson movies. Sure. I think that's, I think that's kind of where we're at. Anyway, let's get into this movie. Yeah, let, let's do. <laughs> All right. While raiding Burke's squab farm, Mr. Fox triggers a fox trap, caging himself along with his wife, Felicity. Felicity reveals to her husband that she is pregnant and pleads with him to find a safer job if they escape, and he agrees. Two human years, 12 fox years later, the foxes and their son, Ash, are living in a hole. Mr. Fox, now a newspaper columnist, moves the family into a better home inside a tree, ignoring the warnings of his lawyer about how dangerous the area is for foxes due to its proximity to facilities run by three feared farmers. Bogus, a chicken farmer, Bunce, a duck and goose farmer, and Bean, a turkey and apple farmer. My first thought upon realizing who was voicing these two characters is what I mentioned up top about, like, you'd never see Meryl Streep and George Clooney married in a movie together. Oh, for sure. And it yeah. bothers me because they clearly, uh, the thing is, is they work well together, whether or not they were in the room while they were recording these lines. Mm -hmm. I feel like the chemistry was there. I agree. I think that this is not an opportunity that they would have had. Uh, in live action yeah. because Hollywood is what it is. And as much as that sucks, it's a cool opportunity for to see this intersection. But I'd love to see two. them acting opposite each other. Yeah. I, well, now that I think about it, I almost want to see them as, as Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. Yeah. That would be weird, wouldn't it? Yeah. This little gadget probably triggers the What? Move out of the way, darling. Get That's right where it's going to land. Don't. Let's go. <laughs> no, it just falls straight right down. I guess it's not spring-loaded. I'm pregnant. Wow. We're going to have a cup. I, I like the way that they used um, different puppet types to convey depth. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really cool, especially in that opening scene where they're running. And you know when there's dialogue, it's the furry puppets. And then when... It's the side scrolly stuff. It's the little like plastic multi-jointed. There is one thing about that. So like the fur that was used, Wes was very insistent on using actual real animal fur for it, which I kind of feel is a little bit gross. I agree. Yes. Um, he was inspired by the old um, King Kong uh, puppets, which were done with the fur with actual animal fur because they're harder to, oh. um, you notice like when, when they're moving, that fur is just moving around on its own. Yes, a, I understand. That's a characteristic of animal fur. Synthetic fur wouldn't do that. Right. And so that was one of the reasons why he insisted on that. And I honestly think it's kind of. Bleh. Oh, see, now I like this even less. But the point using, is, but, is but that's... sourcing an animal fur just for the yeah, fur is a little, no, is no, a little no. gross. It's icky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, if they had used old, if he had bought old taxidermy. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like, do they go out and kill new foxes for this? Or is it like they found some quirky taxidermy and make I would, puppets out I of would them? assume that it would have been ethically sourced. Like, I hope so. Do, uh, let's, I mean, we're already 20 minutes deep here. Um, all, are the ducks and the chickens and things like, 
Are they not sentient? I guess birds aren't sentient. Oh my god, I didn't think about that. Or anthropomorphic in this world. I guess not because they, there's there's. Do they not have society? Do they not have clothes? Is yeah. it just that birds are? Is that the statement that's being made here? I guess so because I mean because they're also could, not made out of real feathers. Well, and also in the end, I mean, not to skip ahead, but they're in the supermarket. Everything is sort of fake. There's you didn't really see other animals besides the ones that. But well, I guess because it's their supermarket, it would be the only things that that is that they they do. I don't know. It's a it's a it's an interesting one. Yeah, my question is: Are they not murderers? It's the same thing with Goofy and Pluto. <laughs> Reads me out a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Would the humans not notice that these mammals have society? Like the weasel has a realtor sign. They're wearing clothes. And when they're communicating, they with eventually each other. communicate with one another. So not that these three particular men would give a shit. Because clearly they wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about any of this. <laughs> is it a class thing? Like, is it just, you know, the, these... That's my other big thing about this movie, and maybe it's a product of its time. I don't understand what it's trying to say about anything, <laughs> except for Wes Anderson's own problems with his dad and family and masculinity and inadequacy and whatever Jesus. else. <laughs> it's the same shit that he's examined in Royal Tannenbaums. It's the same shit he examined in The Life Aquatic. It's the exact same shit. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's a lot of universal themes. You know what I mean? Like universal to him. That's my point. Oh, uh, sure. But I mean, there's yeah. always the milk toast, not quite adequate child who is tossed aside uh, in favor of a perfect other child. Do you think I'm an athlete? What are you talking about? Well, you know, I think I'm an athlete and sometimes I feel like you guys don't see me that way. What's the subtext here? Is he praying? I think that's yoga. How long is Christopherson supposed to stay with us? Until your uncle gets better. Right, but roughly how long do we plan to give him on that? Double pneumonia? Isn't really that big of a deal, is it? Lower your voice, Ash. That's that's true. On a, I mean, I would say that this is better executed than Royal Tenem's bombs was in terms of in terms of that. You know, this is very much a, dis, a distillation of that family, you know, where it's I mean, obviously he's making a stop motion film. He's he's aware that there's going to be children in the audience, so he's not going to have Owen Wilson's character try to slit his wrists or whatever. Fair enough. Luke Wilson's, whichever one. Actually, this film is absent a Wilson <laughs> now that I think about it. No, it is. it's got he was the he was the coach. Where's Luke? Oh, yeah. Luke wasn't in it. Yeah. It's absent to Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get what you're saying now. For sure. So, again, like this is this is the kid friendly version of the Royal Tannenbaums as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Except the, you know, the parents are actually still together <laughs> rather than, you know, the mother have having owned up and known her own value and left and continued to belittle the man that the inadequate younger man is still trying to look up to. <laughs> masturbatory nonsense Jeez. look i there is there is a non-zero chance that somebody who knows somebody who knows wes anderson might point him in the direction of this podcast and look all i can say is everyone's a critic and i'm not a professional <laughs> i'm it's just not for me <laughs> well let's just move on to the next section i think we're good there soon after the foxes move in felicity's nephew christopherson silver fox comes to live with them Ash finds the situation intolerable. His cousin is superior to him at almost everything, and everyone is charmed by Christopherson. 
Longing for his days as a thief, Mr. Fox and his friend Kylie and Opossum steal produce and poultry from all three farms for three straight nights. Angered, the farmers decide to kill Mr. Fox. They camp out near his home, and when Mr. Fox emerges, they open fire but only manage to shoot off his tail. After demolishing the site of the tree while attempting to dig Mr. Fox out, they discover the foxes have dug an escape tunnel. As the foxes will have to surface for food and water, the farmers wait at the tunnel mouth. Underground, Felicity is upset that Mr. Fox returned to his thieving ways. So I've written this a couple of times, but Ash is definitely an asshole in this situation. I mean, but Ash is also 12. He is. And his father is openly like, hey, this kid I'm not related to is better than my own kid. Yeah. And Wes Anderson clearly is working his issues with that concept out again. (laughs) I mean, uh, uh, the projection and... I, I don't know. It's just it's all right. What do you mean projection? It's all right there. It's literally right there. Oh. Yeah. I, I. That's the whole theme is that Ash is overshadowed by Christopherson the entire time by everyone. And that Ash has to figure out what makes him special. For sure. And like it, it definitely makes again, this is kind of where you, you don't not you don't like the characters. Really, the only character that I have liked the entire movie is Felicity. And of course, and that's because she, it's Meryl Streep. She can't do well, any wrong. Angelica Houston's the only one you really like at the end of Royal Tannenbaum's and the Life Aquatic. Yes, for sure. <laughs> it's, it's the fucking same thing. <laughs> this is my point. Uh, those fox undies, though, are cute. The fox <laughs> underwear are cute for sure. Um, I also have the question about whether the dogs and chickens are not anthropomorphic. Or not, we already covered chickens, but the dogs, and even again, not to skip ahead, but the wolf at the end doesn't seem to have that sort of society. I'm wondering if it's just that, that frog and toad kind of that cross section of rodents per se that can actually communicate with each other. Whereas like a dog is not a rodent. It's not even about communication. They have society. Well, sure. He's a newspaper columnist for fuck's sake. What's the wolf doing? Walking around all skinny legged in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. I, honestly, this probably is a little bit more coming from, I think, the book than anything else. Potentially, um, yes. So, you know. But also we, just as a concept, again, like, why are these creatures the only ones that have I, I, society? So, I mean, it's not really sustaining your disbelief is kind of no, where I'm getting at from here. Not at all. Yeah. So, I mean, for sure. And like that... <laughs> It, oh, and then surprise, Wes Anderson makes up a quirky game and the and the analog for his character is bad at it and is about to be shown up uh, by a relative while in the shadow of his father all at the same time. I'm not projecting. This is all literally happening in front of us. <laughs> well, they say it's a simple game and then go into this. Well, it's real simple. Basically, there's three grabbers, three taggers, five twig runners, and the player at whack bat. Center tagger lights a pine cone, chucks it over the basket, and the whack batter tries to hit the cedar stick off the cross rock. Then the twig runners dash back and forth until the pine cone burns out and the umpire calls hot box. Finally, at the end, you count up however many score downs it adds up to and divide that by nine. Got it. Go in for Ash. Substitution! Ash, come out! Which is... It's just... <sighs> it's Squid Game, though. I mean... <laughs> It's 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 a bunch of nonsense, like, who knows what the actual rules are. I mean, sure, but if you ask me, it's a more complicated Quidditch, which is saying something. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and then, you know, his love interest, who isn't his love interest, is cheering for the guy who's better than him, and he gets all angsty about it. Yeah. I don't, just like in Rushmore. Like, this is what I'm saying. 
Give yeah. me something new, Wes. Give me something fresh. <laughs> yeah, because they're in that, what they were in that, like, science, they were in their uh, school and doing lab, lab experiments and Ash was getting upset that Agnes was not paying attention. Right, because she was ogling Christofferson. Yeah. Whatever. Like, fuck. Ugh. Magnesium. Magnesium. Sorry. Uh, pipette. Pipette. Oh, sorry. Potassium tri- What are you looking at? Oh, no. Why is your cousin such a wet sandwich? I beg your pardon? What's that mean? That means I, I didn't understand what you just said. A wet sandwich? Yeah, a wet sandwich. He's too short. He dresses like a girl. He's different. Are you a bully? You're starting to sound like a bully. Again, I have Ashes is still an asshole on it. I get what they're get what he's trying to do. He's trying to go as hard po- as possible to make you not like the character so that the payoff seems more more of a surprise or Maybe. whatever, or at least makes it more emotional. Ash spends all his time worrying he's not enough like his father and turns out he's just as much of a shitty asshole as his father is. <laughs> he's really not showing any sort of emotion or anything like that through through it. And like, again, this is a trope of Anderson movies where, you know, it then gets to a really close up part. And, you know, we'll get to this later of them talking to each other. And like, mm. that's when you get to that emotional like, you know, that emotional break or whatever, but definitely is a little bit cringy with how with how crappy everyone's being to each other. My point is, is that even Meryl Streep slash Felicity says it. This story is too predictable. Predictable, really? What happens in the end? In the end, we all die. Unless you change. This story is too predictable. Yes. Yeah. Too predictable. <laughs> because it's a Wes Anderson movie. A kid's book that is being translated into a... Into uh, a therapy experiment for maybe. an early 40s hipster who's <laughs> struggling with the idea and fear of becoming his father even as he has a child. I mean, but again, <clears throat> it's not to say that no other person has these sort that can't like look at this and, and see themselves in it. Like there are sure, I'm just that saying like it's that. a narrow, it's a narrow scope. Yeah, truly. Because <laughs> you know what still doesn't exist in this Wes Anderson film? Mm. Black people. Ah, uh, fair enough. This is what I'm yeah, saying. There's no it's black a voice scope. actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Willem Dafoe is and the rat. Parts, we don't take kindly to cider poachers. You behave badly, rat. You're getting a little long in the tooth yourself, partner. Bean security. What? Why are you wearing that badge? What is it? It's my job. Wow! Pretty terrifying. Terrifying. Great casting in a vacuum. Probably my favorite thing in the film. Yeah. Like holistically, the sort of West Side Story esque, like. But also kind of manic and uh, psychotic, maybe. Is he Italian? Is he French? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Sort of an ethnic slash cultural ambiguity, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, on point for a rat character who is also, you know, it's an it's an animal slash rodent that's working for the bad guys. So I guess that's interesting, but it's still not new. Yeah. I'm th- maybe that's <sighs> there are people you were one of them once who just don't like musicals can't get on board with the concept whatsoever for a number of reasons. And I think maybe that's how I feel about Wes Anderson films. Like I get it. 
I get why people like this stuff and I get why it's appealing to people. Mm-hmm. It's just not for me. Well, sure. It's and the artificial coconut of films for me. Like artificial coconut. If it's in something, I'm going to notice it and fine. I'll deal with it. But I, it's not my first or even my second choice. You know, as, as you said, it's sort of predictable in terms of the way that it's. I didn't happening. say it. Felicity said it. <laughs> Felicity it's said a it. line in the movie, Clancy. <laughs> Fair enough. And just like when they say the name of the movie. Right. But I mean, he knows that that's what like the filmmaker knows what's what they're doing when they put anything in like that. Yes, And the audience knows the filmmaker knows and everybody's winking at each other. And I'm just (laughs) well, I and I just want something new. Well, and and again, I'm going to agree with you on things about this. But again, I don't also hate this movie. I don't I'm not saying I hate it. I'm just, again, it's just, ugh, I'm bored. Okay. You know, that's how I am. That's where I'm at with it. While continuing their escape, the group of foxes encounters badger and many other local animals whose homes have also been destroyed by the farmers. As the animals begin fearing starvation, Mr. Fox leads them on a digging expedition to tunnel to the three farms, robbing them. While the other animals feast, Ash and Christofferson begin to reconcile after Christofferson defends Ash from a bully. The cousins return to Bean's farm, intending to reclaim the missing tail, but Christofferson gets captured. The cave drawings are a nice touch when they're digging. Yeah. And honestly, the background, again, here being very intricate, you're seeing fossils and, and really like. And even through their detailed. digging, again, the, like, the depth that they get, the way that mm-hmm. they change the mediums that they're working in. There's some very clever artistry here and yeah. some very clever stop motion filmmaking here that I think I could probably appreciate the craft of more if it weren't painted in a twee Wes Anderson brush. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's, that's right. I really like the, um, is it Leica or? Uh, yes. Yeah. I really like that style. Like if it were Wes Anderson style with a Leica story, I feel like it would have, I feel no, like it would strike have been, that and reverse it. Uh, like a style with a Wes Anderson story. I think I could watch a little bit more appreciatively. Wait, what do you mean? I don't you know. Don't what do like you mean? The, you don't like the story here. You don't like how predictable the story is. Whereas a like a story generally tends to be oh, a little yes, bit more yes, nuanced. Yes. Whereas the style yes. of Wes Anderson is very, very, very uh, intricate. <coughs> Nothing is misplaced. No, of course not. No, but yes, I, I think that. Yes, you're right. Mm hmm. Uh, a Wes Anderson style with a Leica story. Yes. Right. I think that would have at least helped a bit here or at least put a little bit more humanity into it because the humanity doesn't come till a lot later. And even for the characters above the, the well, you know, the we, human get, we end up getting to the moment where it's just like in every other Wes Anderson movie where it's like, well, sure, we don't like the guy, but we don't want him to die. Well, and it, and at what point do they like break off from from Fox and be like, "You are you've you've literally fucked us, and we're still listening to you. We're still letting you steamroll this dinner with the toast." It took a near catastrophe for all of you to finally take me up on my offer to have you over to the Flint Mine for dinner. But I guess we have... I'm sorry, maybe my invitation got lost in the mail. Does anybody know what this badger's talking about? (laughs) No, 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 but Clive's right, in all seriousness. Excuse me, B. I guess we do have these three ugly farmers to thank for one thing. Reminding us to be thankful and aware of each other. I'm going to say it again. Aware. Not to get too far ahead in spoilers or whatever, but it's not like Fox actually saves them. They're still all having to just adjust to their new life at the end. Right. 
instead of living in the forest and living in sewers, which is right. Yeah. Which in and of itself is its own commentary about transitioning from a loose country life, country life life. to a city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And a commentary on suburbans and how you're still, you haven't escaped anything because you're, well, I mean, you also got to think about it this way. Like kids aren't watching Royal Tenenbaum. So how is Wes Anderson going to let children know that this is the way that his family or his, that his upper middle was. class on we is a real problem that needs to be dealt with. <laughs> Jesus. He's just using different mediums in order to get to and that. I don't know what the, this is where I started to maybe because I stopped paying attention to like the Wes Anderson of it all and really wanted to like focus in. But I noticed that the hands of the animal creature started to creep me out a little bit. I don't know why <laughs> the way that beans son looks Oh, he, yeah. He looks like he smells like cheese. That like puppet, a garbage kale. That garbage pail kid. It looks like it's made out of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> that puppet. And yeah. it comes up again later with like chocolate all over its face. Uh, and I even made like a kind of sound whenever he. Yeah. The humans are terrifying in this. And like. Yeah. All of the humans. There's no good looking they, humans. It just looks like the main. The main guys themselves. The most robust one is the fat one with the mustache yeah the little short one has a tinge of green to him and the tall skinny one lives on apple alcohol exclusively which means he probably smells gross like i just yeah he just, but you <laughs> know what like apples all day but i mean michael it. gambon regardless of the medium can chew up scenery yeah. While still maintaining, that's the thing is, I be- of all of the characters, I believed and almost sided with the villains the most. Hi, oh, so good to be to come. Lovely to see you. You're both looking splendid. How have you been, Walter? In good health, I trust. Uh, Nathan, all's well? Uh, Wonderful. Any fox problems? Are you joking? It's horrible. We're miserable. He's laughing at it's us. It's humiliating. We're furious. I don't even want to talk about it. Perhaps we ought to kill him. Well, that seems rather obvious. He's too sneaky. Really? Something about the way Michael Gammon portrayed that character was ridiculous, but also grounded. Yeah. The way that he would just order off, you know, the different things from his his assistant, Petey, who once I realized who Petey was, I wanted to punch him in the face. That fucking <laughs> banjo was so goddamn annoying. I know. Oh, my. I've never wanted to punch, punch a pile of clay more than when that fucking Petey puppet picked up that banjo and started strumming that goddamn song during the <laughs> montage. My God. The guy slapping the pumpkin looked like a sex offender. Yeah. There's something about that porn stash. This whole fireside sing along felt super creepy. Josh, and- Josh cheered when, when, uh, <laughs> when that guy came into it, like, is like, that was a bad song. Petey. And as far as I can reckon, they're sitting up there still singing zippy zi zappy zi yappy oh. What are you singing, Petey? Just, just making it up as I, as I went along, really. That's just weak songwriting. You wrote a bad song, Petey. This is what I'm saying. I had the note here. Oh my God, did I? Am I actually siding with the bad guys? Because <laughs> Michael Campbell <laughs> comes. It's like, it's a bad song, Petey. That's bad songwriting. Yes. God. And this is also where I had the note that we accidentally picked a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're also now underground again with that, with that feast. And Ash just kind of, again, like his father, comes in and steamrolls. 
sure um just makes him that much more unlikable like you're being an asshole and then you're a natural true or false answer the question true i guess correct uh, get out of here, Agnes. I need to have a private word with Christopherson. Well, just a minute. She, she, she doesn't... I don't mind. I'm not going to talk to the boy. Listen to me. I just had a brainstorm for something fantastic I've got to do, but I can't do it alone. I'm not interested. Hear me out. No, thanks. I think foxes from your side of the family take unnecessary risks. Only because they got the guts in their blood. And so do we. Was I a bit rude to Agnes? Yeah. I should probably say something, shouldn't I? I'll say something to her in a minute. It's so he never uh, actually apologizes. Yeah, he to doesn't. Agnes. He never does, which is just kind of which sends the message that you don't actually have to, as long as you had the thought that maybe you need to. Right, and Again. that and that's problematic to me. <sighs> so hipster bullshit. Anyway, I need to pee, but I'm done with this section. <laughs> Bless. Discovering that Mr. Fox has stolen their produce, the farmers and the fire chief flood the animals' tunnel network with some of Bean's cider, trapping the animals in the sewers. Realizing that the farmers plan to use Christofferson to lure him into an ambush, Mr. Fox heads to the surface to surrender, but returns when Rat, being security guard, confronts the animals and attacks Ash and Felicity. A fight between Mr. Fox and Rat results in the latter being pushed into a generator, electrocuting him. Before dying, Rat reveals Christofferson's location. Mr. Fox asks the farmers for a meeting in the town near the sewer hub where he would surrender in exchange for Christofferson's freedom. Ah, hubris in a Wes Anderson film? <laughs> Shocker! My God. I do. I will say that the one scene where uh, Ash and Christofferson are, are stealing the, uh, the little apple fritters mm -hmm. and Mrs. Bean comes in, now has glasses and can see them. Well, she went to the drawer and pulls the glasses out. That's right. Yeah. That's when they freak out because she's put her glasses <laughs> on. Is the shot of them at the water spillage and him realizing all of his faults over that bridge. Gorgeous. Yes. Is it yeah. also fucking masturbatory? Yes. Wes Anderson going, eh, look what I can do in stop motion. Gooning and baiting over this shot. Wow. I just can't. Like, it's not just him that's doing this. You are literally shitting on all of the people that work with him to make these <sighs> shots possible. Josh. I mean, I am, but I'm doing it for the laugh. I mean, <laughs> it's a little. I said it was a gorgeous shot. Did I not say it was a gorgeous shot? It's a gorgeous shot. It's it is a, a masturbatory shot. <laughs> he enough. did it because he wanted to go, look what I can do with stop motion. For sure. I mean, Leica does the same sort of things. They have shots in there that are, you know, that are, are, but they still serve the story. They aren't, well, I, mean, I don't know. They're in I, a sewer. They're like, you know what I mean? Like this is, a, it was, if you were going to have this emotional, you know, this, emo like basically, Mr. Fox and Felicity finally coming to some sort of equality. That's there's no equality there. Fair, well, fair. I mean, at least him. It's the powerful woman forgiving the patriarch all his trespasses, despite yeah. the fact that he is continuing to do them. The beleaguered, educated, better off without him wife is still going to put up with him yeah. for one reason or another. It's that way. It's. Yeah, that is. This is Wes Anderson making a comment about his parents' relationship. Mm. And I'm over it because it's like the fifth movie. He's dying. Yeah. She was an, a realtor and an archaeologist <laughs> in real life. His mother. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> you can see the parallels, right? That, that's funny. Yeah. When they kissed, Josh let out the grossest. <laughs> because it looks so weird. It did look weird. Foxes don't have lips to make those mouth shapes and yeah. sounds with. This is also when they said the title of the movie. 
I think I have this thing where I need everybody to think I'm the greatest, the quote-unquote fantastic Mr. Fox. And if they aren't completely knocked out and dazzled and kind of intimidated by me, then I don't feel good about myself. Foxes traditionally like to court danger, hunt prey, and outsmart predators. And that's what I'm actually good at. And I just, that was peak masturbation for me. I was just like, okay, all right. I mean, but we point that out in all the movies that do that. It's not just his. We do, but I felt like he... You know Wes Anderson was like, beep, beep, beep. Ain't I a stinker whenever he insisted that say the title of the film? Well, Come yeah. on. There's also something to be said for, like, he calls attention to, like, for me watching this, uh, you you are very much in, invested in the story. Uh, that's I'm what, trying that, to be. That's, but that's what you care the most about. Yes. I watching this. I don't necessarily care about the story as much as I do the way that it looks. And I'm paying attention to. Again, the way that he's filming it, the way that uh, things are moving in and out of the scene, that sort of thing. And that stuff to me is the more interesting part of it. I think that's kind of where I'm going at. Dear listeners, I think my husband just insulted me and said that I'm not as cultured a film viewer as he is. You care about the story. I care about the art. (laughs) I mean, fuck you, buddy. (laughs) Jesus. No, but that's that's. I said it was a beautiful shot. It's just he knows that it's a beautiful shot, and he knows what he's doing. Sure, and do the thing, do it how you're gonna do it, and let it be its own thing. I'm just again, I'm bored. I'm not surprised by any of it. Yeah, it's pretty, but why can't it be more than pretty? It's clever, but why can't it be more than clever? Why can't I be moved? Yeah, well, I mean, there's an, well, art, there's an artificiality to it. So I think spans over to the story or to the stories that he's telling that it's very, there's not much depth. It's upper middle class ennui and that's all I'm getting out yeah. of it. And it's artificial. Yeah, I'm such a curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I watching this, I'm not, again, I, I under, you know, there, there's- I a, understand what people appreciate about it. For I do. sure, for sure. I'm not shit canning it. All I'm saying is, I I don't appreciate it. <laughs> sure, and that's and that's fine. And I'm gonna just have to accept that. Yes. Um and we'll a, move right fucking along. Let's move along. All right. The farmers prepare for an ambush, but the animals anticipating it launch a counterattack that allows Mr. Fox, Ash, and Kylie to enter Bean's farm undetected. Ash frees Christofferson and braves enemy fire to release a rabid beagle to keep the farmers at bay, allowing the group to escape. The animals soon settle into their new homes in the sewers, inviting any other animals to join them. Soon after, Fox raids a grocery store belonging to Bogus Bunsen Bean, where Felicity reveals she's pregnant again as the animals dance in the aisle. <laughs> Look, the kids whispering the like chant song nursery rhyme thing at the very beginning of this in surround sound Terrified. was fucking terrifying. Yes, it was. This whole time I've been going, give me something different, Wes Anderson. And then children start to whisper <laughs> in my ear. <laughs> What the cuss is he burning? (laughs) (laughs) Is that all you've got, Mr. Fox? Here's what I want now. Here's where I think I might actually appreciate Wes Anderson. If he did a horror film. Yeah, I could see that. 
because uh, like I haven't seen it yet, but I feel like Hereditary almost gets there because of the whole dollhouse aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But like if Wes Anderson did some like psycho horror, like psychological horror thriller or whatever. Yeah, that I might actually be intrigued by because there might be something to say about a very artificial picture at almost Stepford presentation with something very sinister beneath Yeah, that you've piqued my interest in. Give me that next to this. I will watch that instead. Well, and Grand Budapest is very much like a whodunit style. Is it? Uh, yeah. Um, so it, it's it's definitely <sighs> a, a, a different. He's been he's been branching out. It seems like I just got so mad when it won for makeup against what was it? Guardians was it Guardians of the Galaxy? And I got so mad because they they got the Oscar because they made Tilda Swinton look good with chicken neck, <laughs> but Drax the Destroyer's intricate body scars. Yeah. I just, he just, <laughs> can we talk about this town for a second? And like how it looks like a model tra- in the train that keeps going around. I think consistently reinforced that like it felt. Yeah. And even when, you know, Christopherson is feeling sad about his father and the boys silently connect, they do it over a model train. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like that. And that the, the town itself feels as if it's surrounding a model train. I would have liked it to lean into that a little bit more. Yeah, that would have been cool. I just i I thought it was just, especially the mix of like the, the you know you had the pub and then you have the sushi restaurant and then you have this travel agency that doesn't look like it belongs there. <laughs> like, right. It was just well again a, Wes Anderson anachronisms, right? Yeah. Like, of course that's what a, an English, even a mid-sized English village in the early two thousands is going to have yeah. the pub that's been there for 200 years next to the hip new sushi restaurant. I've yeah. seen it with my own two eyes, but you throw it into a mustard yellow and kind of Brown palette and make sure none of the visible technology looks like it came any later than 1979. And suddenly it's a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 All, all of the like tape recorders and everything that he's, I mean, he has a, he has an affinity for the analog for sure. Yeah. That's so, what I'm, yeah. But you know what? I will, list, I will say, and this is too, the credit of the various craftsmen who worked on this film and, and gave it the look the like, cause Wes Anderson artistic, right? He wasn't creating the puppets. Truly some real artisans made this shit. Cause the bread in that bakery window, I've never wanted fresh baked bread more <laughs> than when that bakery window went by with that one woman peeking out. Oh yeah. I was just like, fuck yeah. Bread wreath. Yeah. I would stick it down my gullet. <laughs> Is it cinnamon flavored? Is it kind of savory? What kind of fresh baked bed is that? And then we get that last shot of that, um, the bean son who's, uh, dad's yeah. on fire. Dad's on fire. Foxy, you're on. We're ready. I'm going to find him. And I'm going to bring him back. I know you will. This is the puppet that that looks where I had the note that it looks like it's made out of cheese and grossing me out. This is where I actually put he looks like he's made out of cheese. And then we get porn stash pumpkin slapper fly on the helicopter. Oh, yeah. It just fucking all the worst parts of this movie kind of congealing together at the end. 
Yeah, uh, I, I, there is one thing that I still don't really understand, or not necessarily understand, but like, what was the point of him with the whistle and the clicking? Like, I get it that it's like, it's his trademark, but like, I don't know. That- Foxes don't have the lips to whistle. Right. It just creeps me the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but the possum doing his own little trademark. That was cute. That was cute. <laughs> the wolf terrified me at the end. Like, did it terrify you? I was a little scared of it. It looked cre- well. Okay. So the view from the road, it mm-hmm. looked creepy because of all the mass on top of those spindly little legs. It looked yeah. creepy, but when they were shooting it, from behind the wolf, yeah, it just looked like wet dog. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of like it's it's a interesting way to deal with like him saying that he's afraid of foxes or afraid of wolves the entire thing, and then you know sort of coming to grips with that fear. It's almost like they forgot, but of course they couldn't have because they had to build all these sets, yeah, and all these puppets. What do you mean they forgot? What do you mean that's like like it's consi- the wolves are consistently in the dialogue, but then w- the the main thrust of the story has resolved itself. They're literally escaping and Oh, right. We forgot to deal with this fear of wolves. I guess. I mean, it's, it's more kind of a moment of inter- like, like introspection that you kind of get. You don't have to explain to me what the purpose of the scene is. I well, get sure. it, but it feels the way that it was executed because you only ever get a single couplet of dialogue about how he's whenever they mention wolves, it's literally just a couplet of dialogue. That's true. Yeah. They're never encountered elsewhere except mentioned casually in dialogue. And then suddenly the thing that is supposedly his greatest fear after all of this other stuff, he's face to face with. And then and the only communicates through a fist bump. The <laughs> fucking <laughs> breakfast club ending. <laughs> that's yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's it's, yes. They've got a different language. Everybody has a different language, but everybody understands the fist bump. <laughs> like. And also, like, what is that? Has he actually learned anything? Is he going to go back to stealing? Because, again, I mean, basically they're all they just do. living with the consequences of his life. And, yes, they're going back to stealing. And now she's fine with it. Like, what? What are they trying to say? What story are they trying to tell except for the meaningless cycles of suburban and upper middle class life? Which is what he's told with every fucking other movie to this point. Josh is throwing things. And, uh, yeah. I, I, and all of their unsettling smiles. Like anytime any of these creatures smile, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, with the with the teeth, it's yeah, it's a uh, it's a little. Uh, uh, Same thing with lips and straws too. There at the end, they're all drinking out of straws. Oh yeah, Martini I that was just gross. It's gross, but also our cat is not going to be able to drink out of a straw. Our no. dog would not be able to drink out of a straw. No, because they don't have the. They don't. Yeah, they can't seal. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Suspension of disbelief. I do have a question about. Opossum, which I, I didn't ever hear it as opossum, and I don't know if I just was like just canceling it out or whatever. But you apparently like the word is spelled O P O S S U M, but down here where Wes Anderson is from, that word is pronounced possum. Yeah, and it should, and it's and there, and he keeps calling it opossum. And you know that Wes Anderson. Born and raised in Houston, graduated from the University of Texas in Austin, knows that everyone here at least would say possum and knows that it would stand out to say opossum because nobody ever says (laughs) opossum. Why is it that does he live with them? Who? Uh, A possum. Kylie? Yeah. I don't know. He's just like he's always a quirky friend, but he's always there. And like we never see him in his own house. 
And like, even when they were uh, coming back, like he was in a blanket, like he was staying there. Like, I don't know. It was just kind of. Yeah. Just like the patriarch's quirky friend in all of Wes Anderson's movies. Oh, he's always just around. (laughs) Owen Wilson. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Fucking the doorman and Royal Tannenbaums. That's true. Yeah. It's the same shit. Yeah. Uh, Except at least that was a black man. Yeah. (laughs) That was Danny Glover. It was. Yeah. Uh, I I will say there were no slow-mo shots in this movie. No. So that, you know, that's, that's a, that's a departure for Mm. him. The fight scene with rat kind of a, it, I mean, it's a strobe. It was a strobe shot. Yeah. It wasn't slow-mo. It wasn't his nor like Wes Anderson. Slow-mo are very, it's, mm. it's music with somebody running either parallel or sure. to the camera. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. So Still. anyways, uh, that's all I've got. You know, I don't have anything else. I know you don't. Well, let's talk about uh, how it did. Um, so it was uh 40 million to make it, uh, yeah. made 46 million. Uh, so eh, it was, but again, Wes Anderson's okay. films aren't blockbusters. You know no, what I mean? They never have been. And as long as it's making $6 billion effectively, then you know, million, but yeah. yes, everybody I'm sure is fine with that for sure. Uh, critics gave it a 93. Roger Ebert liked it writing for the Chicago sun times. He said children, especially We'll find things they don't understand and things that scare them. Excellent. A good story for children should suggest a hidden dimension. And that dimension, of course, is the lifetime still ahead of them. Sure. 3.5 out of 4. Whatever. Yeah. Claudia Pugh uh, from USA Today. Uh, she said, weirdly effective shifts in tempo combined with uh, attention to detail and distinctive dialogue make for the best moments in this offbeat adventure. Eh. And then uh, Kimberly Jones writing for the Austin Chronicle said, is there any question that this is a Wes Anderson picture? Not a chance. Have we seen it all before? Not like this fair. We haven't seen it like this. We haven't seen it as Fox fur puppets, but we've seen it. Cam. Yes. And I think that's what she's trying to say is that it's, you know, it's a different medium, Mm. you know, uh, surprise me for sure the best thing and again for he, sure the, he doesn't have to wes anderson doesn't have to please me no but the way that wes anderson could win me over is surprise me yeah at this point in his I, career i can i can agree with that i, I think that that's i think that's fair uh viewers we got an 85 percent on that one uh matthew m uh gave it five stars saying meticulously crafted and wonderfully witty fantastic mr fox is both a smart caper for adults and delightful treat for children with animation that has yet to be topped within the world of stop motion. Okay. Uh, I mean, this is what, 2009, but he was saying in 2016 and by then Leica had absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, Wallace and Gromit's been doing so they've done this some really great I'm stuff saying. too. So I don't know. That's a little Nick park. Yeah. Uh, three stars from Danielle a in December of 2012. Well, it's no Charlie and the chocolate factory or Matilda, but it's still decent. Okay, I'd say it's closer in feel to James and the Giant Peach because it's a stop motion adaptation of a Roald Dahl story. Um, it was a pleasant enough movie with interesting animation, but the storyline wasn't all too appealing for me. Also, the majority of the humor was a little dry for my taste, but it was still quirky fun. Danielle came at this as a Roald Dahl fan, yeah, clearly for sure. Seeing, yeah, because like I mean, she lists Charlie, she lists Matilda, she lists James. These are all Roald Dahl adaptations. Yeah. Which I mean, honestly, kind of makes sense with how gross and huge was a Tim Burton produced role yeah. adaptation. Uh, to make those comparisons, directly. yeah. 
but you know, Matilda, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they have these these gross people yeah. in them. And like I feel like that was captured oh, yeah, with yeah, yeah. this. Like, you know, and that's kind of so I think that in terms of the adaption of the book sort of makes sense in the way that no. And I think Roald Dahl is very much kind of a 20th century, um, maybe not Shakespeare, but like he created stories that can be translated through various lenses because those stories are universal. Mm. I don't think Wes Anderson's take on stories like that are all necessarily universal. Yeah, for sure. But I think some of the core feelings here, and we might get them. I think sometime soon, wasn't it? Netflix recently just signed a deal uh, with Roald Dahl's estate for adaptations for all of his stories. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we'll get another take on this story that gives me a different opportunity to enjoy this. But as is <laughs> going out of trivia here, one of the reasons why this was the book that Wes Anderson wanted to do is because this was the first book that Wes Anderson owned. Oh, bless um, his mother and. <laughs> His mother, Texas Ann Burroughs, that's yeah, her name. That's her name. Uh, bought it for him. Realtor the, and archaeologist, Texas Ann Burroughs. <laughs> bought it for him at the St. Francis Book Fair in Austin, Texas, when he was about seven years old. And Anderson has kept the same copy on his bookshelf ever since. Like, that's cute. I have the copy of The Stinky Cheese Man that my mother bought me still yeah. on my bookshelf. The specificity of yeah. all of it is just nonsense. CGI was only used in one scene, the flooding of the Flint mine. That makes sense. Uh, This was Wes Anderson's first movie that did not feature one of his signature slow motion sequences. Like you said, this was George Clooney's first role starring in an animated movie. He hadn't been in an animated movie before this. Also, according to Meryl Streep, when she was in London filming Mamma Mia in the summer of 2007, she stayed in an apartment block in central London. And one night she noticed a Fox out of her bathroom window. Both Streep and the Fox Stone still stared at each other for 12 minutes. Mesmerized by this experience, she used it as inspiration for her performance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, Meryl, just looking at foxes. Looking at foxes window. out the bathroom. <laughs> Altogether, 535 puppets were made for this movie. Mr. Fox had 17 different styles alone, and each of Mr. Fox's styles had to be done in six different sizes. He has two, 102 puppets alone. Well, that makes sense. He was the primary character. Yeah, for sure. And that's... And like when you look at like the making of a like Leica movies and things like that, mm. like they they're showing the thousands of, you know, pieces that they're using yeah. to, to, you know, put it all together. So. All right. In closing, uh, I mean, I left it all out on the table. It's a fine movie overall. It's it's well executed in terms of the artistry. Mm-hmm. The craftsmen who worked on this film should absolutely be proud. It's it's more of a gallery piece to me than anything else because I just didn't get anything out of it. Yeah. And I mean, again, this is, you know, when, and coming from me, when, you know, you're in film school, you're studying these sort of things. I shut up. (laughs) You do this shit all the time when I was in theater school, whatever anyways, but not to diminish that. It it is. Can you just continue please? It was something that like really inspired me while while I was in film school. I sure. liked the intricacy and and the talent that was there. It was inspiring and truly for like a lot of the things that I was doing, like putting putting arbitrary constraints on something to, you know, uh, like the way that you deal with the camera and the way that you call attention to to the medium itself um, instead of trying to hide it. Like mm. that was, you know, kind of a. Again, it's just it. That was what was interesting to me. And really don't drew let me, me to take his that from you. Yeah. I am just not so enchanted. 
for sure. And, and I and I completely and I completely understand why. Um, I, I what I want to say here is that I thank you for for watching this movie with me and sure. actually giving it a, a fair chance because I I was half expecting midway through this movie for Josh to be like I can't fuck with this anymore. Um, I need a break, and he didn't do that. So no. uh, I I made you pause it so I could go pee. That was the only time for sure. And like that's and that's fine you know what i mean like well i'm glad that that's fine it is fine i'm glad that i'm josh can pee look anything for the pod i i would absolutely sit through this for the podcast and if i'm gonna talk about it i'm not gonna walk out on it halfway through um that said i don't think anybody needs to ask me what i thought of this film they surely just need to listen to the past hour of this podcast (laughs) to know um if you want to hear more of us talking about uh any number of things you can head to patreon.com slash making mischief we put bonus content up there that's usually auditory in nature, but you can get some visual stuff from shows across all the network, uh, all the Mischief Media Network. Everybody's got bonus content up there. Um, yeah. Patreon.com slash Making Mischief. Yeah. Where can they find the show on social media, Clancy? Well, they can find it at NonplusPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Fashebook. That is true. Or Meta. Or, me- or Meta. Well, no, it's because Facebook is its own product. Meta is the whole thing. It's the company. It's kind of like how Google is Alphabet now. Wherever you're listening to us on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, wherever, make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing, yes, following. Please. Help us game that algorithm and get more listeners. Um, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, if nothing else, the negativity that I've put forth on this movie has entertained you. Um, I'd hate to think that my cantankerousness scares anyone away. Um, hopefully it hasn't scared you away. And if it has, don't leave that comment. Don't leave us a review. Just mind your business. <laughs> For sure. All right. Uh, well, you know, Hey, I don't like, uh, Tim Burton. I don't like Tim Burton movies very well, very much. Josh doesn't like Wes Anderson movies very much. So there we go. <laughs> you could just end the show. We could. That over there is my husband, Josh. <laughs> that over there is my husband, Clancy. And we're nonplussed. Oh, good Lord, we're nonplussed. Y'all, we really did it with this, this pair of movies for Thanksgiving. My goodness. <laughs> Poof. It's been a while since since I've I felt like this was work, the way that this and Sorcerer's Apprentice did. Yeah. I, woo, I need to stretch it out. We got some good ones coming up soon, so, you know, stick around. Uh, we're, we've got a, we got a lot of good content coming spicy and I might have put too much vodka in it. Oh. Anyway, where are we? Don't forget to check out Tavor on iOS and Android for your 100% independent resource for tasty and tantalizing craft brews. Just search Tavor, that's T-A-V-O-U-R, in your app store search to get $10 off your first order of $25 or more. Cheers! 
Bye. Bye.